When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another fantastic weekend of NFL football as we're now about a third of the way through the schedule. Week six, and of course now it's an 18-game schedule. The Cardinals remain unbeaten as they beat down the Browns. Also the Ravens all over the Chargers. Awfully impressive performance, not only from the offense, but the defense shutting down Justin Herbert. But we begin with the Cowboys and the Patriots. Wild last few minutes of this game, Mike. Jim Nance and Tony Romo get whiplash trying to watch this game. It always makes me laugh because my dad is sitting there just trying to watch 60 minutes. And 60 minutes cannot come on until the final CBS game is over. See, he's like, well, enough with the football. I just want to watch, uh, you know, not Morley Safer, but Scott Pelly. But... For all those 60 Minutes fans, they got to watch the last few minutes of this game. Goes to overtime as the Cowboys win at 35-29. to 29. Let's just dissect the last few minutes. So five scores in the fourth, three in the final, two and a half minutes. New England's up 21-20, two and a half to go. And then Trayvon Diggs picks off Mac Jones. On the next play from scrimmage, at that point, Mike, I figured it was done, right? All right, Patriots going to get shut down. Cowboys win. But the very next play, Jones to Kendrick Bourne. The Bourne identity burns Diggs for a 75-yard score. They get the two-point convert and a three-point lead. Then Dak leads the Cowboys, 40-yard drive. And Zerline, who you're not sure if he's going to make this one or not, 49-yard field goal. We get to overtime. New England wins the toss. Forced to punt on its first possession. Dak leads the Cowboys down the field. He hits CD, silence of the lamb for the win. One of the more fun games of the day. I think the Cowboys are 5-1. and one. God, I feel like they're the best team in the NFC in some ways. Maybe the Rams, you can make a case, but how good do the Cowboys look to you? You know, I mean, look, they, they're so good offensively. They dominated the game. I mean, they were on, I mean, they just, by the, by the overtime, I mean, the Patriots were like uh, like Joe Frazier and Manila. They had nothing left in their legs. I mean, it was it was over. You know, they couldn't move. They couldn't do anything. And you know, Dallas. I I actually thought that once the Patriots got the ball in in overtime, that they either had a score or they were going to lose. I, I just felt like that. I mean, because look, the boys had the ball almost forty minutes in the game. 
they dominated it uh, from start to finish time of possession and and the Patriots had to play too many plays and you know it, usually those games I mean look let's face it the Patriots had ample opportunity to win the game you got a third and 25 they give up a 24 yarder which allows them to kick the 51 yarder I mean if if they make that if it's third and 10 if it's if it's fourth and 10, he probably can't try it. He's not going to make it. But to give up 24 yards, and then they have a fourth and four, they blitz him, and Dak makes a hell of a throw, and and uh, the kid over there makes a hell of a catch. Uh, you know, and so Wilson makes a hell of a catch, and, you know, they're able to come back and, and, and kick it into overtime. But the Patriots are just, they just don't, they don't have the ability to close these games out. I mean, and, and it really comes down to third down, right? So Mac Jones has got a third down against Tampa Bay. If he hits, if he hits, if he hits a, a Bourne coming across the middle, uh, they're probably going to take the ball down to the 20, set up to kick the field goal, take most of the time off the clock, win the game. The ball gets tipped. You know, this play, he's got a third down play in overtime. You know, they run a full blitz. He throws the ball to the right, was face masking, never called. But then the reality was, not only was it face masking, but he shouldn't have thrown, he should have thrown the ball over to the other side. And he's got, if you look at the coaching tape, if you look at the tape today, he's got uh, Jacoby Myers wide open. So this is what happens when you play a young rookie quarterback. They make mistakes at key points of the game, tip ball here. The Patriots are two and four, and, you know, they could easily be four and two. You know, I mean, they've been in every one of these games, even the Saint game. They're in the Saint game. They just turn the ball over. And this has been the season as you're playing with a young quarterback. But they fight. They have resolve. Their offensive line hung in there. I will say this, AD, every time, and I said this, every time you make a play like a touchdown that gets called back for holding, the very next play is always a disaster. And that's what happened in this game. You know, the, the touchdown pass to Kobe Myers, they called James Ferentz for holding. And then the next play, strip sack, they, they lose the ball. That, that Those are the kind of plays that when you have such a small margin for winning, you can't allow happen. It's true. And I'm with you that I think for Mac Jones, listen, for rookie quarterbacks, you're going to take your lumps, but he's proven he can manage the offense. He can step up and make plays when necessary. And Dallas, as you said, their offense is just so good. When they're when they're rolling, you're like, oh, easy 40 points. They remind me of the Chiefs. Like when they're rolling, you're like, oh, this Cowboys offense. But Trayvon Diggs now has an interception, six straight games, seven in total. If they have a lockdown corner all of a sudden, that changes things defensively, doesn't it? Well, it does. And, and I mean, the way he finds the football and he's got great hands, he doesn't drop the ball. I mean, like last night, Jamal Adams has the ball. He could win the game, you know, you know, if he catches the ball that hits him right in the helmet and he drops it. I mean, this kid's got great hands. You know, he's able to make plays. And yeah, I mean, look, but they got him on the double move. Now, I, you know, that double move, that safety, I thought was really bad on the double move on Bourne's touchdown. The safety should have at least bailed him out. It should have been a touchdown. The safety should have bailed him out, but he didn't, you know. And uh, but look, this cow, I, I got to give credit to Dan Quinn. Romo said it on the broadcast yesterday, and and I and I've said it here, but I think it needs to get reaffirmed. Quinn has done exactly what you should do as an assistant coach, head coach, when you lose your job. You should do an autopsy. You should go back and look at all the things you've done well. You should look at all the things you've done poorly, and then make a make a sheet, and then work on the things that you needed to work on. And here's a guy that really realized that his career was married to the Pete Carroll system of defense. And he realized he lost his job in Atlanta, partly because of his dedication to the Pete Carroll system of defense. And when he was out of football, he watched Raheem Morris have more success with the same players playing different defense. 
And give Quinn credit. When he took that job in Dallas, I didn't think it was a smart move because I thought he was going to run the Dallas, the, the, the Pete Carroll system of defense. And he changed. And in those changes lies the reason why the Cowboys are 6-0 against the spread, why they're 5-1 and overall. Their defense, if they get any kind of play with their defense, you know, they can go as far as they, as they want. Look, let's be honest here. I mean, their defense is playing much better than any time the Kansas City Chiefs played. The Cowboys are very similar to the Chiefs. They got a quarterback who can make a lot of plays. They have a better running game than the Chiefs. They got two running backs that can run and take over a game. And they've got skill players all over the field. They've got skill players all over the field. You know, they don't have, they don't have a Tyreek Hill. They don't have that one guy, but they've got Cooper. They've got Lamb. You know, they don't even have Gallup who's out. They've got guys, and then these two tight ends, Jarwin and Dutch, I call him Dutch Schultz. Wouldn't that be the perfect name for him, AD? Yes. Just call him Dutch Schultz. Good little you know? gangster, Dutch Schultz, underrated. I like it. Dutch Schultz, the tight end for the Cowboys, who gets doubled down in the red zone because they know they want to throw him the ball. You know, we're doubling Dutchie Schultz down here. But the point here is, is this. I mean, like, seriously, they've got, they have as many weapons, if not more, than the Chiefs. So why not? I mean, they're going to win the East. Who's going to beat them in the East? You know, the, the the New York football giants who have now won one game. I mean, the you know, we'll get to them later, but I mean the Giants have won have won what, eighteen games over the last five years? Is that good? <laughs> Prescott, four forty five, three touchdowns, and Lamb nine catches one forty nine. Like I said, the offense gonna put it up there. If the defense is there, they're a legit Super Bowl threat. Meantime, the Cardinals and the Browns, maybe the Cardinals are the best team in the NFC. Maybe those are the top two. Maybe the Rams are in the mix, but the Cardinals say this. Big game against the Browns. They go into the dog pound, and they took care of business. Four touchdowns from Kyler Murray, 67% completion. And I was impressed for this reason, Mike. We've seen how hard it is without your head coach, right? We know how important Sean Payton is or Pete Carroll or Bill Belichick. So without Cliff Kingsbury, you know what? Arizona might be due for a letdown. They're playing at Cleveland, road game. Cleveland's got a really good defense. Like, I wouldn't be surprised they lose this game. Instead, Kingsbury, who, you know, wasn't available, they find out Friday. Murray said, I think we were even more excited because the odds were stacked against us. The Browns came in favor. They go to three and three. They've lost two straight. Kareem Hunt carted to the locker room in the fourth with a calf injury. They're already missing Nick Chubb, both of their starting offensive tackles. Baker Mayfield dislocated his left shoulder again and said it feels like shit. OBJ briefly left with a shoulder injury. So we'll get to the Browns in a second. We're going to be in real trouble. But how about Arizona? Without their head coach, they were still dominant. I was really impressed by this. And not only do they not have their head coach, they don't have their starting center, Rodney Hudson, right? They don't have the, the best defensive player in Chandler Jones, you know, and, and they're able to go out there and they're, and they're able to play as effectively as they did. You know, hats off to uh, Vance Joseph for taking over. Really good game plan. I think this is further evidence of how the, the Cardinals have found ways to win games as a unified team. And you could see they're, they're into this. And I didn't think Murray, I mean, he ran the ball... He ran the ball seven times, I think, in the game. Yeah, he had seven carries for six yards. Murray wasn't, Murray's not 100% either. You know, his shoulder wasn't great. He threw the ball 30 times. He had 20 completions. But, you know, I mean, four touchdown passes, which is nice. But, you know, B Baker was just, Baker, I, to me, I know Baker's hurt. I get that. But if you pay Baker Mayfield $40 million, like seriously, like you, you, you're, you know, this will be the Baker Mayfield's contract will become the Jared Con Goff contract for the Browns if they do it. If they do that, it will be. It will be the contract that takes them down. 
And they're going to sit there and say, we have no other options. And it's true. They don't have very many other options. They're like puss. They don't have many options. But, you know, they're going to have to do something. Because if you pay him 40, you know, I mean, he's got all these commercials. I mean, why can't he just make an extra 10 on the commercials? <laughs> I mean, literally, he wouldn't have a commercial in Cleveland if it wasn't for, uh, if it wasn't for the progressive being based there. I just think to me, it's, it's, it's one of those situations where they're trapped. And with the injuries that Cleveland had, losing both starting tackles, I think you got to be really disappointed in the Browns' defense because here's why. Last week against the Chargers, they played 23 minutes. They gave up almost 500 yards. This game against an Arizona team, you know, they give up 37 rushes for 144 yards, dominate the game in there. And then Murray throws for another 222. So, you know, they're basically able to control the game in both aspects. Tats off to them. I mean, that that really, and and the Brownies, you know, they couldn't get off the field on third down. They're eight for 15 on third down, the Cardinals were. Cardinals, this game wasn't even as close as the score was in the way they turned it over. I think the other thing too, AD, is if you're a Browns fan, you, you have a good team. But the problem with the Browns are if we have to play from behind and we have to get into a drop back pass game, like you see them, they have one of the worst two-minute drills in all of football. Like they have no two-minute drill. Like they're one of the worst two-minute drill teams in all of football. And they have one of the worst drop-back passing games in all of football because they're married to this one scheme. And when they have to play outside that scheme, it gets ugly. How about the fact that, to your point about Baker Mayfield, normally right now, Mike, we'd be saying, oh, well, if Baker's not the guy, you can always draft a quarterback. How about blank? Like in the past, it was Tank for Tua. It was Justin Herbert. Obviously, it was Trevor Lawrence. Right now, you're like, no. Like, the, the, where's the big college? The, the big college football stories right now, Nick Saban in Alabama lost against Jimbo Fisher a week ago. Ed Orgeron stepping down from LSU in a couple of years. Like, that's one of my concerns. If you're a lousy team right now, there's no can't-miss quarterback. They're like, well, you know what? We can always sell the farm and get that guy. That's something else I've been thinking about. Yeah, I mean, look, it doesn't look like this draft is filled with a lot of quarterbacks, a lot of RPO quarterbacks, which we don't know. I know this, that in three years, Richardson, the kid from Florida, is probably the first pick in the draft from what I saw TV scouting on Saturday. I mean, that kid was sensational. I mean, I don't understand Dan Mullen. I know we're not talking college football here, but I don't know what Dan Mullen's watching at practice. Like, how is that guy not the starter every single play? Like, I don't even understand it. Like, that guy's one of the best players I've seen. That looked like he looked better. I saw Lamar Jackson. My son, Matthew, was at Louisville. And Lamar was there his freshman year. And Lamar was kind of like a young, a young thoroughbred. You could, it, you know, when their legs quite aren't underneath them yet. And they're kind of just, you could tell they're going to be great, but you just, but they just not all there yet. That was what Lamar looked like as a freshman. You know, our unbelievable arm, just couldn't all come together. Then when he played against AM and 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 the uh in the Music City Bowl, it all came together and, and the next year he wins the Heisman. Richardson looks way ahead of Lamar, way ahead of Lamar. And this is a great segue into it because for all the good that John Dorsey did for the Browns, the decision to pick Baker over Lamar, over Josh Allen is going to be the one that the Browns are going to have a hard time overcoming. And it's just a fact. Baker's good. He's not a, he's not a great quarterback. Baker's a good quarterback. He's, he's not the first pick in the draft. If you redraft that draft, Josh Allen and Lamar are going to be one too. You know? And, you know, Darnold's not going to be in the top five. You know, we know Josh Rosen's not going to be there. So, you know, give them credit. And I give the Cardinals credit too because they saw Josh Rosen, even though they traded up a third-round pick to get him, 
They went ahead and got Murray. They owe everything to Kiff Kingsbury for that decision alone. Because if Kingsbury doesn't become their head coach, there's no way they're not going to draft Murray. It's a great point. Sometimes, right, that would be the decision where you'd go, well, we've already got this guy. We drafted so high. Let's just give it four years and see. But like, no, it actually takes a lot of balls to go, you know what? We missed on this one. Let's go ahead and get the, this guy. And like you said, Kingsbury was obviously driving the bus on that. That It's a really good point. But sometimes you've just got to zig when others are zagging. Um, Chargers and Ravens. Again, a game that we thought would be close and an absolute blowout. The Chargers came in as one of the hottest teams in the league. They beat KC. They beat Las Vegas. They beat Cleveland. And then Baltimore absolutely dominates. Rushing touchdowns from three different players, Le'Veon Bell, Devontae Freeman, Latavius Murray. Three players average five yards per carry. They just gouge the Chargers' run defense. Herbert, who we love. I mean, he's been sensational. But shut down. 22 of 39, one touchdown, one pick. Let's start there. How about the Ravens' defense? This was a vintage performance against Herbert and the Chargers. How'd they do it? Uh, I mean, how Don Martindale doesn't get a head coaching job off this game. I mean, if you're the Raiders and you watch Don Martindale just coach the hell out of, uh, don't you want to hire him as your head coach so he can stop stop uh, Herbert? I mean, he did a hell of a job on him. I mean, you know, did a hell of a job. You know, basically he made sure that that Keenan Allen didn't get going. You know, Keenan Allen had five catches for, for 50 yards. He took the big play away from Mike Williams. Mike Williams only had two catches for 27 yards. One of them was for 26 yards. So he had basically one catch for one yard. And then he forced the ball to go to Eckler and Cook and all the other receivers and said, okay, here you go. And then they couldn't run the ball. The leading rusher on the team was Her- Herbert. He had, he had 12 yards rushing on two attempts. They dominated this game because the one thing we do know about the Chargers, and it happened last week when they played the Brownies, the the Chargers run defense. You can keep the ball away from the Chargers offense. That's that's been pretty clear. Yesterday they had the ball twenty one fifty three. The the Ravens had it thirty eight minutes, and by doing so, you know you put a ton of pressure. They were three for twelve on third down, one for four on fourth down. I mean he went for it on his own nineteen on fourth down. Basically, Staley was saying, "Look, the game's over." You know, if I don't get this fourth down, uh, the game's over. And he didn't get it. The game was over. And look, the Ravens, I didn't think Lamar played his best game. I mean, Lamar was had 19 completions for just a buck 67. You know, it, it was sacked three times. Didn't really had, had two, two interceptions. But this was all about their run game, their ability to run the football effectively. And, you know, hats off to the Ravens. Big game coming up. They got Cincinnati coming in. But the Chargers were due for one of these. I mean, they have a bye week. They get regrouped. They're four and two. They're still a really good team. They got to fix their run defense. Yeah, and like you said, four and two for the Chargers still, considering where they were a year ago, they'll take that. They're pleased that they can regroup. For Baltimore, like their running game, the fact that you can just implement whomever. Again, is that the scheme? Is that the offensive line? Is that drafting such talent? What do you think it is? Well, I think it's Lamar. I think that I think this is why I keep saying if they would just put Lamar under center, they could be even better. Because Lamar makes their run game go. I mean, he had eight carries for 51 yards yesterday, but the threat of him running the ball scares everybody. So, you know, you're basically sitting there as a defense coordinator. Yeah, give the ball to Freeman. I don't give a shit. Give the ball to Murray. I don't give a darn. Give it to Le'Veon Bell. Who cares? They'll average two, three a carry. I want you to give it to Le'Veon Bell. Like actually give it to him as, as many times as you want, you know? Because he's not going to beat me running the football. But the guy who's going to beat me running the ball is Lamar. And I think he opens the door for everybody on that offense. He makes everything go. And he's a hard guy to stop because of the, the way they run it. And I think if they ever put him under center, I think it would just be really more dynamic than ever. All right, so the Ravens win big there. Meantime, Tua returns. 329 yards passing, two touchdowns. But the Dolphins lose again. These fish stink. 
as Urban Meyer gets his first win, he had to go across the pond. The Jaguars walking off in London. So fish and chips to celebrate as Matthew Wright hits a 53-yard field goal as time expires for the win. The win snaps a 20-game losing streak for the Jaguars, the second longest in NFL history, their first win since week one of 2020. Listen, I guess every dog has its day, Mike. They finally get their monkey up the back, Urban and Jacksonville. But how about Trevor Lawrence? The fact he's improved, 319 yards passing, one touchdown, he helps them get the win. He's saving. He's saving. Urban did everything in his power to try to lose the game. I mean, did you see Urban after the game when he talked to the team? Oh, just a disaster. Watch that video. I didn't think anybody was listening to. I got a tipped on that video by somebody on Instagram sent me a message and I and I watched it and I'm like, they're not interested in him. And the team, you know, the the team immediately gave the game ball to Lawrence right away. I mean, if I was Shaq Khan and I saw that scene in the locker room, I think we got a problem here. You know, and, and Urban did everything in his power to lose the game. I mean, the, the the Jaguars are not a very well coached team. We could say that honestly. The Jaguars were the better team on the field that day, and they found a way to win. But they were not. I mean, at the end of the game, it was really kind of it was unbelievable. I, I'm sitting there watching it. At the end of the game, you know, they get the ball with a minute 42. First of all, the first half was a disaster. Urban doesn't understand anything about the middle eight. I mean, of course, who would worry about the middle eight when you're at Ohio State and you're playing some of the bad teams you play? Who cares about the middle eight, right? In pro football, you better care about the middle eight. He, you know, but anyway, he screwed up the whole middle eight in the first half. He got away with it, which doesn't make it right. And then at the end of the game, he gets the ball back with a minute 42 to go in the game. He's got a chance to win the game, you know? And then on a fourth and eight, they basically go third and 20 and he throws it for 12 yards. And it takes him, it takes him all, it takes it all the way down to five seconds before he calls a timeout. Like, I don't think he knew what to do. He let that clock go all the way down to five seconds. Then you almost think he's going to send the field goal kicker out. Then he sends out his offense. And he's got two timeouts left. He sends out his offense to throw, to get the first down. And then they call timeout and they kick the field goal, the 53 yarder. But I mean, he let 15 seconds just go off the clock. Like, I don't know what he was thinking about. Well, you could say, well, he was afraid he didn't get the first down. He was going to give the ball to, to Miami. I mean, Miami had one time out. There's no way Miami was going to be able to move the ball. There's 15 seconds. He just let the clock slip away from him. It was like he was, oh, it was like, okay, let's just go for it. It was like they decided on the sideline. It was so bad. But I, I, you know, between the false starts, the game mismanagement, you know, he doesn't kick a field goal. He's got a chance on fourth and down. He gets the ball. He's driving down. Fourth and one. It's just, it's in the fourth quarter. It's, it's got 14 21 to go in the fourth quarter. He has a chance to extend the lead to 20 to 13. And he decides, fourth and one, he goes for it. Like, like, and then he runs the ball up the middle. Like, are you watching the same game I'm watching? If you're going to go for it on fourth down, put the ball in Trevor Lawrence's hands, A. B, you're the Jacksonville Jaguars. You can't score very many points to begin with. Kick the field goal, go up by a touchdown, make them have to beat you. Make them have to come back and score a touchdown to beat you. Like, what's wrong with taking? I think what's happened to us, AD, and I've said this before, we have become a culture of accepting teams going for it on fourth down. When Belichick went for it on fourth and one against the Colts, he got his ass vilified, right? Oh, it's the dumbest thing you can do. And his reasoning was, look, field position means nothing to Peyton Manning. I was going to win the game right there. Now we're at a point where we're just, we're just refusing to take kicks. I mean, you take Mike McCarthy. He's got a fourth and one. Right Early in the game, he goes for it. He doesn't get it. He's got a fourth and one. He's going to try a 51-yarder, or could he have gotten the first down? You know? I mean, like, what do you do? Like, where's the consistency with going for it? 
So I, I, there's so much bad game management. And it's, I sit there, like I'm watching McCarthy try to manage his game. I'm watching Urban. These guys are making eight, $10 million a year. Like, how are they this bad at managing games? Like, how are they? Like, are they not thinking about it? Are they not thinking it through? Is there not any second order thinking going on on the games? It just drives you crazy. Like, if we do this and then here's what happens. I mean, and, and the thing about Urban and McCarthy, they both don't call plays. And then Jerry Jones says, well, you know, you know, I, I, I don't have a problem with the way Mike Matt. What do you mean? He's, you're paying him $9 million a year. What do you do? What are you paying him for? It's like, you know, I say this about Ed Orgeron. When the game starts on Saturday afternoon in, in Baton Rouge, Ed's useless. He can't help the team at all. He'll help the team recruiting and he'll help the team maybe motivating them. But once the game starts, he ain't helping them. You're paying a guy $8 million a year. He better help you on game day. Yeah, and that's where you see the frustration, definitely, not only in Jacksonville, but I think wherever teams are just underachieving. Like, look at the Dolphins. They went from 10-6 and six last year. They had playoff aspirations. They're 1-5. and five. They're one of the worst teams in football. We've crushed on Tua, and it's a bad pick, and we all know that. And fine, his numbers yesterday were good and, and has his moments. But like, they're a bad team right now. Steven Ross must be losing his mind right now. He must be. I mean, look, that they, they, they didn't rebuild their offensive line. They had all this draft capital. They didn't pay. They trade for a wide receiver. They trade down to pick a wide receiver, right? They trade that, they, you know, they they go pick a wide receiver. Like, seriously, like, why would you just take there and take Sewell? You get a legitimate left tackle, right? You, you need to rebuild the offensive and defensive fronts. And then Tua, okay, yeah, he played really good yesterday. He, he threw flats. He threw flats and swings. I mean, you know, did he throw the ball over 30 yards and make it down the field? You know, I mean, I thought, to be honest with you, I was sitting there watching the game. I'm like, what is Jacksonville doing on defense? Do they have any idea how to stop this quarterback? Like, they're rushing blitzes from depth and all that, and he's throwing slants. Like, it was really, really one of the worst, one of the worst coach games on both sides that I've seen. Just an awful mess. Speaking of a mess, the Bears, God, they didn't deal with Aaron Rodgers again. Aaron Rodgers has made over $250 million in his career. He owns a lot, but an entire franchise, it's something else. We'll talk about what he said next. All right, anytime you're on the golf course, you always hear the phrase, hit it long and hit it straight. Well, as somebody who's a novice to the game of golf, a new person, I wanted to make sure I had the best equipment possible. So... As a novice golfer, I went and hit up our friends over at PXG because they have an all-new driver called the Black Ops. I mean, my man Chris over in Henderson has hooked me up with a phenomenal driver that's built to my game. My new game that doesn't really do much of anything on the course, but it has what I need in terms of the club head speed and the kind of grip that I need to go out there and be the best to my ability. I mean, this is music to ears to any golfer, whether you're a novice like myself or if you've been playing the game for decades. The PXG Black Ops driver is a breakthrough in driver technology. It's a complete and total victory in golf club engineering unlike anything you've ever seen before. Black Op drivers are adjustable to deliver a combined MOI of 10,000 plus for unreal forgiveness. That's just ridiculously high. So what you got to do Go check out the PXG Black Ops Driver. You'll be as impressed with it as I am. Learn more and get free shipping on all equipment at pxg.com slash gmshuffle and use code gmshuffle at checkout. That's pxg.com slash gmshuffle, code gmshuffle for free shipping on all equipment, pxg.com slash gmshuffle, code gmshuffle. 
The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, the second round of the playoffs have been absolutely phenomenal, and if you really like a team, you can bet on them for the futures markets, maybe some conference finals MVPs as the conference finals approach, or how about NBA finals MVP? And if you're new to DraftKings, you gotta check this out. New customers bet five bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Well, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers continue to own Chicago. 22-5. Rodgers is against the Bears. He scrambles for a 14-yard touchdown. The microphones clearly hear him say, I own you. I still own you. Uh, Green Bay, God, the Bears can't wait to get rid of Aaron Rodgers. But Rodgers, listen, the numbers were particularly flashy, Mike. 17-23, 195, two touchdowns, one rushing touchdown, but no mistakes and able to take advantage of whatever the Bears were giving him. Yeah, and they ran the ball. You know, I mean, I think that was the key to the game. They were able to have 31 rushes for a buck 54. Rodgers has the 16-yard touchdown run that puts the game away. And look, we know Justin Fields is going to struggle. We know it's going to be hard for him on third down. We know it's going to be hard for him to put things together. I thought he got better yesterday. You know, they only had 277 yards of offense. Their defense, you know, the defense really let them down, especially in the red zone. You know, they were three for four in the red zone against the Packers, and they were two for three in goal to go. I mean, if you're going to try to give yourself a team, that that game's got to be, for them to win it, that game's got to be 17-14. You got to hold him down. It's hard to do with Aaron Rodgers, but you're right. I mean, the Packers are now 10-1 and in the last 11 game against the Bears. They're 10-3. They're, they're and three. They're actually no seven. They were seven and three against the spread. So now they're eight and three against the spread in the last eleven games. I mean, they just they just own them. They just know how to play them. And five and one, like they're in the driver's seat of the NFC North. Like I came into the season, I think you and I both didn't think the Bears would be very good. I thought the Vikings would be better. Green Bay right now, stellar a season ago, and after a couple of hiccups to begin the year, this division is theirs. Is I mean, barring a colossal collapse. You liked Aaron Rodgers, the Packers going in, and at 5-1, and one, you've been vindicated so far. Yeah, I mean, look, I think he's playing well. I mean, Devontae Adams is remarkable. I mean, the guy gets four catches, 89 yards. I mean, the, the almost touchdown run that he that he stepped out of bounds was sensational. The flip in the end zone was even better. I mean, the, they're, you know, they're good. I mean, and their defense, I don't think is great, but their defense was able to hang on. They were really good. They were really good on third down. I mean, the Packers won that game. They were too afraid on third down. I mean, Rodgers, that wasn't a game that they were great on in. 
you know, but they were able to control the football and they were able to corral the quarterback and keep him from making plays with his feet. And that's what happened. I mean, the last drive of the game, they go 10 plays, 90 yards, great drive. One of the best drives I think Fields had all season. Gets the touchdown, closes it, you know, but then the Packers come back and score to make it 24 and then they can't. They go seven plays, 15 yards and can't get out and can't get any progress. So look, the, the Packers, once uh, they get Alexander back, that's going to help their defense. Do I think they can beat the Cowboys? I think that that's a fascinating game. I don't think their defense can keep up with the Cowboys. I mean, it's going to be that would be a great duel. Could they beat the Bucs? I don't know. I mean, I think they're the third best team right now in the NFC. Yeah. So you look at those teams right now in the NFC and you say to yourself, all right, hey, we got the Bucs, got the Cowboys, got the Rams, the Packers. You know, the Cardinals obviously are unbeaten. There's about five teams right now that are battling for supremacy. Meantime, a game in the AFC in which you said to yourself, hey, whoever loses this is in real trouble. And it's the Seahawks. They fall to Seattle 23 to 20 in overtime. They already knew they were up against it without Russell Wilson for at least three weeks. Geno Smith getting his first start in nearly four years for Russell Wilson and ends up being the highest paid defensive player in the league with the biggest play of the game. TJ Watt forces a fumble on Smith in overtime deep in Seahawks territory. The Steelers hit a game-winning field goal to escape with the win. Like I said, Mike, this felt like a must-win. So for Pittsburgh, yeah, they still have a chance in the playoffs. Seattle, I think they're done. Yeah, I mean, now they got New Orleans coming to town, which is going to be even harder. You know, look, this is Seattle defensively. I, I, that's about as good as I think they could play. They gave up 345 yards. The Steelers had the ball 37 minutes in the game. Everybody has the ball 36 minutes against the Seahawks. It's kind of remarkable. I, I, I would love to know. I would love to know. And I'm, I've been watching this. You know, Jamal Adams has got this incredible reputation that he's this incredibly great player. And, and he doesn't impact the defense whatsoever. When they rush him, which is what they have to do, you know, if the defense knows he's coming, they put a big guy on him, then he's ineffective. You know, when he's not blocked in the run game, he'll make every tackle. But at some point, like, I don't understand how Seattle could pay this player this much money and he doesn't impact the game on third down, on passing downs, on any down. Is he a good player to have? Yeah, I'd love to have him on the team. But the way he sees himself, like when he went on that broadcast, I'm the greatest. Like, seriously, I think he's bullied teams. In, I think he bullied Seattle into paying them. I mean, how they gave up two number ones for him, I have no idea. Like, he's not worth two number ones. Like, Seattle's problems, I think, are the fact that they don't have any defensive front guys. They paid all this money to a safety who's really a linebacker. You know? And poor Gino. Gino played as well as he could play. I mean, if Big Ben were any better, he would that they would have blown him out. They would have made enough plays. But give the Steelers credit; they were able to do what they needed to do. I, I don't know how good the Steelers are. The first drive of the second half, Alec Collins. They just took the ball right down. They ran it down the Steelers' throats, and they got the game to seventeen fourteen. I mean, they played as well as they could play, Seattle. But I, I just really somebody's got to tell me how Jamal Adams is like one of the best players in all of football. Like, I don't get it. He's one of the highest paid players in all of football. And, and I don't see, I don't leave the stadium. I don't leave the stadium or go to the stadium and think, oh my God, we're going to be in trouble if we don't, if we, we, how are we going to block him? Like, how are we going to block him? Like, I, I don't understand it. Like, I don't get it. Like, you know, when you look at this and you say to yourself, okay, you know, like he's the highest, he got $70 million, AD. You know, he's got total guarantee. He's averaging 17.5 per year. How do you pay that to a safety? Like, how do you pay that? 
like I, I love, I mean, would I want him on my team? Yeah, sure. I'd love to have him. But is he worth $17 million? You know, Jordan Poyer makes nine seven a year. Would I rather have Jordan Poyer or Makai Hyde? They got two players for the price of one in Buffalo. I, I, I don't see it. I really don't. I mean, and when I watch Seattle, like their defense can't stop anybody. They can't stop anybody. And they got and they supposedly have one of the best players in the and they, they supposedly have one of the best players in the league. They're paying him like he is. Yeah, Jamal Adams called himself the best in the nation during the Sunday night football intro. And the Seahawks right now have the NFL's worst defense. Like what a what a fall from grace, the Legion of Boom. I for years you just thought of Seahawks that epitomized that defense. And now they're a shell of themselves. Like they're done. It's horrible. I mean, it's unbelievable how they're able to hit this, this mythology. I did, I had the, the game on mute last night, but I'm sure the first 10 minutes of it were, was a tribute to how great Jamal Adams is. <laughs> it's just a, a myth that keeps getting permeated through the, like, you know, and then I think, I, I, I think I saw it. I don't know if, I think Pro Football Focus had him like as one of the worst safeties in football. Wow. I mean, I think, I don't know. I, I never saw that. I didn't see what it was, but I mean, like for me, it's like, like, I, I don't get it. Like, I don't understand how anybody thinks that this has really been worthwhile. Well, as always, send us your mailbag questions to the GM Shuffle at gmail.com or feel free to send us a message on Instagram at the GM Shuffle. We got this message from Derek in Syracuse. Hey, guys, big fan of the show. I'm wondering your thoughts on Vic Fangio. As a Broncos fan, it feels like they've been mediocre with him at the helm, especially their defense. What does he lack as a coach and what do they need from a coach to win? Well, I, I think they, you know, I like Vic. I think Vic is a, a really good defensive coordinator, but I think their team doesn't achieve to the level that it does. I think I've misevaluated their overall team. They should not be, they should be more explosive than they are offensively. But at the end of the day, they, they don't have a quarterback. They don't have a quarterback that can carry them and they can't, and they don't play from in front to utilize their defensive front. I think they really miss Bradley Chubb. I think they miss him tremendously. So, you know, they don't have Chubb. They don't have, you know, they don't have the the corner. I mean, Kyle Fuller got beat two two weeks ago badly. I, I just think to me that, you know, some guys are better as assistant coaches than they are as head coaches. I think this is the case. Uh, Denver's in a tough spot because Denver should, their, their talent level should be better than their record right now. And that's the frustration right now for the Broncos. You and I both said, as long as they can figure out the quarterback, they should be okay. But that is not the case. They've got other issues right now. Uh, let's go to some awards right now on the lamb. I feel like you've got lots of choices here. Oh, we do, don't we? But by the way, I do want to mention your point about Mike McCarthy. I mean, the fact that he called for a field goal instead of going for it fourth and two in the fourth quarter. I mean, it's it's still maddening to me. I do I do want to restate that point, Mike. I don't, I'm not going to put Mike McCarthy in the lamb, but I said before, the only thing that can stop the Cowboys is Mike McCarthy. I, I think if you get in a close game, I think you got to worry about some of the decisions. And, you know, I mean, Tony Romo is convinced that Kellen Moore is going to get a head coaching job. I mean, he's promoting the hell out of him. And Kellen Moore can call, but there's a big difference between being a head coach and calling plays. I mean, we're seeing that all all over the place. I mean, there's a big difference. I mean, look, we could put the Giants on the lamb for the last five years. They've been (laughs) permanently on the lamb. How about the the Washington football team give up another 499 yards? They're lucky Dan Snyder is in purgatory because if he was the Dan Snyder that, that we've all have seen operated for the last 20 years, there wouldn't be anybody in that building today. They, they, they all be gone. You know, I mean, I don't know what Rivera does. Like, he supposedly has a good team. This is the team he wanted, and, and they're terrible. They're two and four, and they're not getting any better. They This week, they have to go to Green Bay. I mean, they're not going to beat Green Bay up there. So, you know, you could put them permanently on the lamb. I mean, the Seattle defense you could put on the lamb. 
You know, I mean, we could easily put Jared. We could easily put Jared Goff. You know, a table for two near the heaters on the lamb. I mean, you know, there's so many bad teams in the league. But you know, I think obviously the the Miami Dolphins with trading away that pick, and then coming in with a one and five season where that pick could be a high draft pick could be really the trouble. Yeah, how about Jared Goff? The fact that Dan Campbell said, you know, he's got to play better. I'm like, you think your team is awful? They're zero and six. I got. It's, it's ridiculous how bad they are. I mean, I wish we had the sound for what Dan Campbell said because basically what Dan Campbell said was, now I know why the Rams got rid of him. <laughs> That's what Dan Campbell said. <laughs> Dan Campbell said after the game, in so many words, now I know why the Rams got rid of him. <laughs> and, you know, Holmes, the general manager who was there, but he was never really in the building, you know, he drafted Goff, so he thinks Goff is great, right? Like now, and basically what Dan Campbell said is, now I know. I, I knew too. Like I know. I knew it. I mean, he could have called me. I would have been happy to tell him. Like, <laughs> seriously, like, it's just bad. Yeah, the Giants. Well, what, what, like, what, I just felt bad about me and Mark Slurth got to call that game. Like, the Giants are so bad. And we knew they had injuries. I get it. Yeah, Jones is out and, and Saquon's out. But they're, they're just horrific. I mean, the Rams, the Rams are a good team. And the Giants, like, they, they didn't have any business even being on that football field. It was awful. Yeah, no, it was bad. I mean, the, you know, and, and Joe Judge said he challenged the team at halftime and they responded with a big flat tire. Look, <laughs> I was starting to like Daniel Jones. I thought he was doing really good. I thought he was making progress. I was trying to buy into it. But at the end of the day, I mean, it was bad. I mean, it was really bad. And, and, and you know, where are you going? You know, you and I both know the Giants are the Giants. They're not going to change. They've won 18 games. I mean, people are saying fire Gettleman. You can't fire Gettleman. Gettleman's just a Gettleman's like we've said all along. You know, Gettleman's to tell you, he's not. He's Bozzini is John is 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 John Mara. I mean, you know, you got to know who the hell the head of the family is. You got to know who's calling the shots. Who's running this? You know, I saw a great, 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 uh, I read a great excerpt and I bought the book. It's supposedly downloaded today. And, you know, I mean, I haven't finished the Stevie Van Zandt book, which I love. And hopefully we can get Stevie on the pod. I would love that. But the reality of it is I, I just saw, I, I saw an excerpt in Vanity Fair about uh, a book called uh, Take the Cannoli, Leave the Gun. It's about the whole history of The Godfather. Nice. And I read the, and I read the excerpt of it on how they really got Marlon Brando to get to the part. As we all know, no one wanted Marlon Brando other than Francis Ford Coppola in that part. It's just really, I can't wait. I can't wait to read it. Well, neither can I. I'm going to go to this book right now. Uh, Fred Palermo Award, best game plan. Maybe Las Vegas, they beat Denver 34-24. I mean, they, listen, Gruden's gone, and they're able to rally the forces, and Derek Carr looked good again. I, I think I would give my vote to Vegas as they knock out the Broncos. You? Oh, I, th- I think no doubt. I think that, uh, obviously, them in Arizona, right? I mean, Arizona did a hell of a job coming in there and winning. And let's give the Bengals a shout out. I mean, here the Bengals are three and a half point favorites. I, you know, no one, everybody was on the Lions in that game. Nobody thought the Bengals would win. And here, here comes, here come the Bengals and they go in there and do a nice job. I mean, here I am giving, I'm giving love to Zach Taylor. Tell me the world's not flat. Tell me the world's not upside down. I mean, you know, but I mean, you got to give them credit. And then look, we didn't even talk about the Minnesota game. I mean, the Minnesota, the the Panthers fight their way back. It's, it's 28 to 17. They get back in the game, they get it to overtime and then they lose. It was a tough day in the Lombardi house this past weekend. We lost two overtime games. My two sons lose overtime games. I didn't sleep last night. It's so hard. Like I'm not even in it. (laughs) <laughs> and I didn't sleep. It's just painful to watch. I mean, you know, I feel so bad for him. I know, I, like, I know what those sleepless nights are like after you lose an overtime game, especially 
with the Patriots, they had a guy open and they don't throw it to him. And the Panthers never got the ball back. Once they, once they, once they didn't win the toss, you knew it was over. Yeah, for the Panthers, you say to yourself, listen, they start out 3-0. We go, here we go. This is a team that could contend. Now, all of a sudden, they're on a three-game losing streak. And like I said, I feel for your son, but you can see the frustration. Now, the Panthers fans think that they're back to mediocrity again. Yeah, well, they don't have their best player. I mean, this is why you're, this, to me, this is why you're paying them 19 million. See, here's the question I have about going back to Jamal Adams. You could see that Christian McCaffrey, when he's not on that team, they miss him, right? <laughs> they're not the same team. Seattle's going to be a bad defense whether whether Jamal Adams is on the field or not. Like it isn't like, oh, we have Jamal Adams. Instead of giving up 430 yards, we're only going to give up 400 yards because we have Jamal Adams. No, they give up this ton of yards no matter who's on the field. Like that's the thing. Like at some point, the value. I mean, if you're Mark Davis today and you were paying Gruden $10 million a year, right? And you just go into Denver with a, with the bat with without a head coach and you win that game. Are you sure you were paying the right guy the money? And for Carolina, their wins were against Houston, the Jets, and the Saints. The Saints after they were hit hard by COVID. So you're right. They got to get McCaffrey out there, and uh, hopefully things will turn around there. Uh, if you don't know, now you know. What's your big takeaway? Well, I mean, Dallas is for real, right? We know that, right? Dallas is for real. Dallas is going to win the East. We know that. We know the Giants aren't going anywhere. That We know that. That's for real. And, and you know, I mean, you, you got to know that this is what's going to happen. I mean, I don't see how Dallas just doesn't go far. I mean, Arizona, Dallas, Green Bay, you know, we basically have the NFC teams right there. Yeah, someone said to me, if you, you know, how about the Chiefs with a big win for them? Like, it's Washington. Like, if they didn't win 31 to 13, I'd really be concerned about Kansas City. They still have a lot of work to do to make me feel like they're back, right? We didn't talk about that game, but really, the MVP for the Chiefs. I mean, I think Mahomes is great, so don't don't take this out of context. But but if they don't have Tyreek Hill, they're not beating anybody. They're not repeating any Super Bowl. If he gets hurt, it's over. It's over. Because he changes the dynamic. I mean, he literally changes the dynamic of the game. He creates all the problems. That's a 13 to 10 game. That's a 13 to 10 game at halftime. The Washington football team's in the lead. You know? And, and of course, they come back and score 21 points in the second half to make the game look a lot different. They scored 14 in the fourth quarter. But that's a, that's a, that's a 13. And, but Tyreek Hill came back in the second half. So that became a whole different game. Chiefs do get that much to win. Pop Culture Minute, I'll be quick. Uh, I saw the new Bond film, No Time to Die. Really enjoyed it. Daniel Craig's final performance as Bond. Did it for 15 years, five films. Uh, my favorites of his, Skyfall, I thought was great. I really like Casino Royale. But this was entertaining, great in the big screen, as always with Bond movies. The opening chase, the opening action sequence is always worth the price of admission. It's a little long, two hours and 40 minutes. Could use a little bit of editing. Uh, but I thought they did a good job with it, certainly in the big screen. Got the, the uh, picturesque cinematography, some of its shot Italy. Like when Bond is driving that car at like 200 miles an hour and like just did the handling is so good. And he's got all these gadgets. I mean, to the life of James Bond, even for five minutes would be awfully cool. So that's my pop culture minute. I know, Mike, like you said, you've still been reading that Stephen Van Zandt book. You want everyone to read that, right? Oh, I, I think you got to read that. It's one of the best books. You're going to read it. You're going to love it. Now he was, I was just with him in Lilyhammer, the last chapter. I loved it. He's up there freezing his ass off at Lilyhammer, <laughs> you know, talking to the people. I mean, it's just good. I mean, you just life is good for for Stevie Van Zandt. It's really good. I enjoy it. I'm enjoying it. I think everybody else will too. Thanks so much for listening to Jim Shuffle. We enjoyed doing this. Hope you did as well. We'll talk to you on Thursday. <laughs>